Where do you go for comics new and old? Uh, garage sales? Wrong! Where do you see your favorite television and movie stars? Uh, in magazines, mostly. Wrong again! And where do you go to see the best in cosplay? Well, there are lots of different options if you're looking for something... <laughs> so incredibly wrong! Wizard World Comic Con. Wizard World Comic Con offers live entertainment and gaming, comics new and old, cosplay, toys and memorabilia, and a chance to meet your favorite television and movie stars. Meet Doctor Who star David Tennant and Lord of the Rings star Elijah Wood June 1st through the 3rd in Des Moines, Iowa. Then meet Aquaman Jason Momoa and Luke Cage's Mike Coulter June 8th through the 10th in Columbus, Ohio. For news, celebrity updates, and tickets to future shows, go to wizardworld.com. Don't feel like paying full price? No problem. Use promo code CANDARE at checkout (laughs) to get 10% off your tickets. So, where are you going to go for your pop culture fix? The, The internet? Oh, good answer. Really? No! Wizard World Comic Con. Go to wizardworld.com for tickets. Well, hello out there, everybody. This is Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, too. And uh, also some guy named Jim Cummings. You're not going to believe this, but you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Good job. Keep it up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I'm Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jake Runyon. We have a good show lined up here for you today. We do have a guest today, but uh, they're going to be joining us a little bit later in the episode. Back to talk about his comic, Geek Girl, which just released the first issue of its second miniseries. We're going to be welcoming Sam Johnson back to the show from the UK. Always love talking to Sam. It's a great comic. And uh, I really like the direction they're going with yeah, it now. Yeah, he's, he's it was um, not what I was expecting. He's not pulling any punches, you know. No, he's letting it become what it's going to become. Yeah, it's going to be. It's it's the seed of something right. bigger to come. You I can, just realized what a inane statement I just made, <laughs> but I, I mean it. Like it, it's growing into something very interesting. Sure. And it, it's clear. It's it's moving in the direction he wants it to. So sure, that's awesome. Right, exactly. So we'll be lo- uh, welcoming him to the show a little bit later. But first. In our retro roundtable, uh, Jake had the idea in lieu of uh, not only Solo but Deadpool in its oh, own sure. right, both kind of being spinoffs to uh, other stories. We're going to be talking best spinoffs in general on movies. It seemed like a natural television. I, I even have some video game yeah, stuff okay. here. So, oh, I hadn't even thought about games. That's yeah, fertile ground. Yeah, it's a good category. I'm surprised we haven't uh, done it earlier. So uh, that's what we'll be doing there. And then in our comic vault, what do we got, Jake? This week, I want to talk about Bloodborne, one of my favorite things of all time. Something that's gone from, like, my favorite video game. Is this a spinoff of, uh, or is that the name of the video game as well? That's the name of the game as well. And it's made the jump into the comic world. So I don't know. They just need a movie, and they'll have me covered on all entertainment bases, I guess. Okay, very cool. I'll be talking once again about Tina Fine's Off Girl. It's something I uh, talk about often on the show, but, uh, you know, that's it kind of comes with the Patreon yeah. deal. She's a Patreon backer, and that's uh, that's our It's worth backer. talking about. So It's a great book. It's a Damn great right. book, and I'm not just saying that because she is a backer. But, again, we'll be touching on that a little bit later, and then we'll uh, be welcoming Sam to the show. But before we do all that, Jake. Social networking more important today than ever especially because that's how we get the word out and i know you guys being the loyal fans you are 
you want to spread the word as much as you can. So head on down to Twitter. We are at CandairPod. Like, follow, subscribe, share our things, and we'll share yours. It's a nice system of mutual benefit we got going on there. Then skip on over to Instagram, where we are at canned underscore air. Do the same thing. To hell with it. And one of these days, Instagram will allow clickable links. God help me. That is the biggest thorn in my side. But the links are there as well if you're willing to copy and paste. And... Yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> just head down to Instagram. I'll have funny images <clears throat> for you at least to make up for the lack of interactivity. And uh, if you like what we do, Patreon people. And we'd like to thank our most recent Patreon backer as well. because uh, That's exactly what I was going to say next. Yeah, it's, it's always nice to see that this is moving in the right direction. And, you know, slow progress is still progress. And yeah. We're super grateful for everyone who likes the show enough to contribute. So thanks very much. And uh, we would encourage all of you out there, if you like the show, please follow suit. Doesn't have to be much. Throw a couple of bucks a month our way, and it goes a long, long way, much further than you'd think. And if you reach that $5 a month mark or more, you have access to our Patreon-exclusive podcast. So a little extra show to brighten your day. And a big thanks to our most recent uh founder instead of backer as we call them but uh randy hardenbrook he's become uh, once again a new patreon backer and uh just seems to be very passionate about the show he really likes it and wants to support it and it's it's awesome to see it's very awesome to see and it makes us feel good i'm glad it's uh reaching uh, you know people and we're we're hearing stuff back so uh big thank you to randy and uh look forward to having him as a founder and Working with them to polishing polishing this turd of a show <laughs> yeah. up to something a little bit better than just uh, crush we got it now. into a cubic zirconium. <laughs> All right, well, with that behind us, let's just kick it off with this week's retro roundtable. Do it, do it! Come on, I'm here! Come on, do it now! Oh my God! Taste bad. I want to talk spinoffs, Jeremy. Let's do it. Crazy, huh? Spinoffs. Spinoffs. So we've there's a thing, and then whoa. We're not going to be talking thing. about Solo because neither of us have seen it. Right? Yeah, I guess it. Uh, really I mean, be right. I'm going. Although that is kind of the impetus to, for the subject. Yeah, but I think it's a statement to the Star Wars uh, being shoved down our throat and up our ass. <laughs> so you know, it's I, meeting in the middle, right? I'll it's see it somewhere. Just not now. Yeah, it's too it's, early. For I got me. I got shit to do, man. <laughs> yeah, and we, too many other movies. I'd rather see more coming out. It's yep. too expensive to go to the movies, but um, I'll see it at some point or another. So, uh, favorite spinoff? Well, I'm gonna have to lean. See, this is one of the things that comes to mind right off the bat, but at the same time, it feels like a little bit of a cop out because there's so many Marvel movies you could consider a spinoff. Mm-hmm. I would almost think of, like, at least in terms of the way he was introduced, I'd almost think of Black Panther as a spinoff. And the oh, way yeah. the character, you know, hit the scene sure. in, well, that was Civil War, if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. Yeah, and then <clears throat> it, it felt to me like a spinoff. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I got to lean toward Black Panther as something that, that just kind of jumps out at me. Something that, that took, I would say, the framework of a character that was already working really well. And just fleshed out perfectly. Sure, and you know, I yeah, I liked uh, I liked it much better than Civil War. Yeah, too. I, Civil War is a decent movie. It's, but, g- it's uh, good, but it's. I feel like in Civil War, some of the things I really loved about the whole Avengers concept broke down a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
it was like the climax didn't feel too climactic to me. Yeah, I don't know. It just wasn't that great. But yeah. uh, not to say it wasn't a good movie. No, no, I really enjoyed sure. it. Just in the in the scape of the Marvel movies, not one of the better. No, um, I'm really excited for Venom. You Dude. know, speaking of spinoff movies, and I'm even more ex- excited now because it's been reported that Tom Holland was on set. Oh, cool. So, uh, but they're saying he's not going to be play, uh, playing Spider-Man, but just Peter Parker. Nice. So. Oh, yeah, because the whole Eddie Brock, Peter Parker dynamic, that's an important right. part of it. Yeah, I don't see how you could do it. You could just him. ignore it. So uh, it'll be cool. I mean, think of Tom Holland and think of, uh, help me, what's his name? Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy next to each other. I mean, what a perfect Peter and yeah. Eddie uh, combo right there. So it's it's a. It's an amazing cast. It would be cool to see that Venom somehow come into the next Spider-Man movie. Yeah, you know, maybe they've they've done their first Spider-Man movie. Now there's a Venom movie. Now I'm I am aware that the Venom movie is more of a Sony Pictures release so than it is an okay. actual Marvel Studios release, but it still has the Marvel banner, you know. Yeah, and yeah. so the way they, you know, the deal they kind of have with Spider-Man, you know, he's still Sony property, but. Marvel can use him. I wonder if that will bleed uh, Venom into the next Spider-Man. I sure movie. hope so. Wouldn't that be cool? Venom's been one of my favorite characters since I was a kid. I oh, always loved you and so many. I, I love I mean, Venom more than I liked Spider-Man when I was young. Yeah, he's so cool. And I always liked that. And anybody can be him too. You don't yeah, have to be bitten yes. by a spider, uh, radioactive spider. All you have to do is find the symbiote. If you're Anyone in the right him. place at the right time, you mm-hmm. are Venom. Yeah, you know. And I always liked. Um, I don't know how. Often it's represented in the comics, or I know in in a game game I played Ultimate Spider Man, there were playable Venom portions. I always liked that with Venom, the physicality was front and center. He had this sort of brutish strength about him, whereas Spider Man was the more lithe, nimble sort of figure. That's one of the things they kind of screwed up in Spider Man Three, I think, is Venom was just slim, dark Spider Man. But yeah, you look at Venom; he's this hulking thing. You know, he doesn't even like web swing across the place. He just fucking jumps and lands where he needs to be. You know, he's he's one of those characters that's like a product of his own thought. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see that represented. You know, with, with a real focus on that whole thing. The symbiote can just read his mind and tell what he wants to do yeah. without him having to make. You know, like I I feel like there's been times where like he's been web swing swinging like holding something with both hands. It just. It just happens. It just knows. Yeah. It just is like coming off his shoulders or out right. his back to get him to where he needs to go. It's and awesome. That's what I love about that trailer, too, when the guys storm his apartment and you just see, like, his arm, like, throwing <laughs> yeah. out the window, out his back, out of his chest, and, like... The symbiote is assuming control now. No, why would we do something like that? <laughs> I mean, I am so pleased with that trailer. Oh, I and can't even it, tell you. Isn't it, um, I think Lance Reddick is the voice of the symbiote? Uh, who you know, I'm not even sure who that is. Um, I probably God, should though. He's got a fucking phenomenal voice. I'm trying to think. You ever see The Wire? Mm, HBO series. No. Did you see John Wick? No. Has Keanu Reeves? Shit. Oh, you forgot. You don't like Keanu Reeves? I like Keanu. <laughs> well, point of the matter is, the guy they got for it, I believe, has just a phenomenal voice, and I couldn't be more excited for that casting. So, I mean, I heard what it sounds like, and it does sound. It amazing. sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, so bringing that element into it as well, so that's good. something they didn't do. Because the symbiote's well. a character. Right. You've got to represent that. In the in Spider-Man 3, it was just a monster. Yeah. That's it. It just shrieked, and uh, who cares? There was no conflict between Topher Grace and, <laughs> <laughs> and the symbiote. Oh, my God, what a weird casting. 
I know. Tell me about it. Like, I, there's nothing about him that says Eddie Brock. I don't despise Topher Grace. I just... I've heard he's quite an asshole in real life. Oh, is he really? I've, I've heard mm. so, yeah. That has an effect. No, that doesn't mean anything. He I could guess be I the nicest be guy you ever come across. Yeah, yeah. He could be. But uh, I don't know why I would have heard that so many places. But, but Tom Hardy's the right pick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I could only be more excited about this movie's casting if they brought J.K. Simmons back as Jameson. That would be incredible. He's so fucking good. It's it's not even fair that you know. And maybe that's a you know that's a good thing for this Venom movie also is to be continuing along the Spider-Man story into yeah. the next Spider-Man movie yeah. because. That's one thing I really resented is no involvement of the Daily Bugle or Jameson yeah. or any of the stuff that we know, you know, from the Those comic series Those are integral past to the thing. Yeah. You're, you're missing an entire half of the Spider-Man character. And I feel they did the same thing in um, the uh, Andrew Garfield movies, yeah. too. There wasn't any Daily just, Bugle there either. It was just missing. Either. It just wasn't fleshed out. He was just out. like a hipster. Yeah. Yeah. They, they kind of missed the mark. And with I know that, that Peter Parker comes a little later too in his story oh, in sure. a lot of cases because it starts with him in high school and yeah. college and then trying to make it on his own. But still, it's such an important part. Jameson himself is such a he's such a great character. character. I mean, he's the uh, he's an antagonist without really meaning to be. You know, right. he causes his own damage from his high tower in the middle of New York there just by he's, printing words. He's he's a spectacle. Mm-hmm. You know, he's this self-contained little disaster and I don't know. He's he's just a treat. He's the he's the control stick of New York's opinion. Yeah, yeah. Of Spider-Man. It all filters through him. So you yeah, so so he's a he's a good antagonist in that right. Yeah. But Sometimes can be a good protagonist. Sure. I've, I've seen him join up with Spider-Man. One of the strengths right? of the character. So I, I, I really hope there's there's no way they can ignore it. Yeah. In this, and I, God, I'm thrilled for that movie. Yeah. Did that first trailer did not make me excited? I was like, I don't oh know. God. I, I remember we were talking about it, and I, I remember you weren't thrilled, mm-hmm. but I was like cautiously optimistic. I was like, it, the way they're spinning it had a very kind of menacing vibe. I thought if they handle this the right way. It just looked like a werewolf movie to me, kind of that first trailer. Oh, I hadn't just thought about that. Kind of like yeah. on the full moon, it takes it's over and just kind of does its own thing. But yeah. no, the second trailer showing you, no, we're doing what the comic Dude. shows you, not only in appearance, but with the alter egos, and the way about he the wields it. Man. Yeah. Oh. I was so the way it just kind of came over his yeah. head like a hood and closed the, so the gnarled good. teeth. That was exactly what I needed to see. I can't wait to get to see a shot of the chest. I want to see the the insignia. I want to see. But see, that's something I feel like they need to explain by it having attached itself to Spider-Man first. Because why else would it be replicating this spider image? I mean, just coincidence? (laughs) Who knows, man? Anyway. You could pull the uh, Man of Steel thing. It's like, oh, it's the symbol that stands for freedom. (laughs) (laughs) This symbol stands for eating innocence you know well here it's a rip off of my symbol so, uh, <laughs> yeah. anyway uh spinoff i want to talk about a spinoff that hasn't happened yet and okay. when i say yet i say that hopefully almost desperately because i think we've mentioned it once or twice on the show give me give me the palpatine movie oh yeah that's what i need you're gonna make a star mm-hmm. wars prequel that's the character I want to see. You know, it's funny when that was mentioned. I think we first mentioned that in the uh, James Rolfe uh, episode yeah. when he was on. Yeah, we to did. talk about Star Wars, and uh, 
the excitement in his voice from he was down that. too. He was like, yeah. oh, <laughs> dude, you know, like it's such a good idea. It's such a good idea. I think it'd be difficult to do. It would, but that's one of the things that would make it great. It'd be a challenging thing to do with mm, I don't know. Mm. I mean, that kind of a challenge, they haven't been great sometimes with getting the best mm. of directors. I mean, I guess I'm just thinking uh, episode uh, eight <laughs> mainly. But. Which is a shame because I like that director, but I don't know. He, he let me down. It was not good. But um, yeah, because it, it would have to be more than just uh, him starting as a young Jedi apprentice and then being yeah, wrong. Yeah. There would have to That's be... It's too easy. It, it, I feel like it's too dark a move for Disney mm-hmm. to do. But it's... Oh, it needs to be done. If they play that Darth Maul, Palpatine, Savage, Oppress, lightsaber fight scene on a two-hour loop in the theater, mm-hmm. I'll give them a standing ovation at the end. Yeah. I, that's all it takes. Just make him that cool for a little bit on the big screen, please. Well, speaking of... of uh, spinoffs that we want to see. I would love to see a Hit Girl spinoff from oh, Kick-Ass. Dude. It would make perfect sense. Uh, no, I, I mean, they did so in the comic... They did it in the comic realm. Yeah. And those have been rewarding. But, um, I, you know, I know her story goes into her adult years where she still is wearing, you know, still being Hit Girl. Sure. So, you know, seeing her as deadly as she was as a child, you, you can imagine, imagine yeah. as an adult with the experience under her belt, you know, she has to be damn near unstoppable. And I would love to see uh, a movie of her in yeah. adulthood. And, you know, the I don't know the name of the girl who played her originally. Uh, but, Chloe Moritz? Something but she like did it? really good, I thought. And she's oh, uh, grown into quite the cutie. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she would uh, she would do good still. No question. Doing that character yeah. in her adult years. It would be Indeed really cool to would. see. Anyway, any more? Uh, yeah, video game spinoffs. Yeah. I figure let's touch on that a little bit. Because it's one of those things where I think... It's less common than in movies. It's almost an accepted practice that if you have a setting that works in a game, mm-hmm. you want to milk it. Like, people come back to the shit they're obsessed with. And one of the ones that comes to mind that I think of as kind of a misfire personally is we've all played Halo in our day. Uh-huh. You know, I certainly it's fell out of fallen out of fashion. Not I played Halo, lived Halo. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, I'd like to imagine a lot of our audience has done the same. Mm-hmm. And, um... One of the things that really felt right about Halo is that you are a super soldier. Right. Because you jump high, you hit hard, your aim is almost perfect, you're shielded, you're tough, you're heroic. And that's a big important part of the vibe. You're the man who's turning the tide of the war. That's a huge deal. And then there was Halo ODST. Yeah. Conceptually, I'm down. The drop troopers were very cool. I always liked that concept. The hell jumpers or whatever they're called. Mm -hmm. I love that idea. And you see it in a lot of sci-fi settings. You know, the rapid response shock assault unit of some faction or another. I love that. You know, the heart, almost like the Rough Riders, you know, just like when shit gets real, you drop them behind enemy lines and you cause disruption. But playing it, you miss that crucial super soldier element. Because now you're tough as nails, sure, but you're just a dude. Not only that, I mean, what happened with that game, in my opinion, was, like you're saying, it's a strong concept and could go a long way because it goes from being just a superhero game to more of like a Rainbow Six vibe where it's team-based, you know, squad kind of, you have to rely on your teammates and you have to take your time with this one. 
which I can get behind. Sure. I don't always like to just run and gun. I like to, to do strategic, you know, uh, maneuvering through these situations. Absolutely. But the thing that makes the Halo games great, or made them great... Is that they're not tactical or strategic. They're... Uh, uh, not only that, I mean, again, it's a different, it's a different game, but the, I guess what kept it interesting is the landscape. You mm. were never... Never bored with the landscape. I mean, That's not only point. in multiplayer, you know, I still remember Blood Gulch Dude. from the first Halo. Like, the back of my hand, I could tell you where the bumps in the ground are, <laughs> yeah. where the little hills are you can climb, you Get know. Get a Blood Gulch tattoo, for Christ's sake. Uh, seriously, think of the first Halo, the snow worlds. Uh, yeah. Cli- climbing into those great big... I don't remember what they're called now, but climbing the different tiers of those big temples yeah, to get in yeah, there and the unlock best. certain things. Or, you know, escaping the exploding ship at the very end of the game. Very memorable moments where ODST, 90% of the game... Dense, urban You were fighting, just right? in, like, downtown area, like, yeah. going city block to city block. And when I think like back Stalingrad, on... Stalingrad, the game. Yeah, when I think back on that game, I... The only memory I have is like of just being like on a city block, walking yeah, down the street. Like, oh, where do I go? The best part of that game was in the multiplayer. They added the um, firefight mode. Fire, is that the one where just waves of enemies yeah, come on? Yeah, yeah. There was this uh, one level where there was a base plopped right down in this big open, uh, just kind of like flat, deserty looking yeah. area. And just waves of grunts and elites would come. It just it was awesome to fortress up in that I, thing. And just... I love that. I remember Gears of War had a mm-hmm. horde mode that was similar, where you'd find a spot and you'd fortify, and you, it has that Alamo vibe. Yeah, you know, just they're coming in from all angles. And, oh, it's the best. Uh, what else? There's another game. One of the last Call of Duty games I bought had an amazing mode like that. I can't remember uh, which which uh, one it was. I know the zombies mode has been really popular with their games. It wasn't a zombie mode. It was just like a multiplayer, uh, just waves of bad guys coming in. But, you know, being able to set up turrets, you know, the more you kill, you can just, like you say, set your nest up of artillery and just bring them on. But anyway, uh, speaking of video games, um, one that's, well, there's a bad one that I think is followed by what I think to be a good one. I think is debatable with a lot of different gamers, but... Luigi spinoffs, you know, from Mario. The first that I can remember is Mario is Missing, which is horrible. (laughs) Because, you know, you're like we've said on the show before, you're tricked into this game thinking, oh, a Mario adventure just with Luigi. And that's not the case. No, it's a history lesson. It's a history lesson. Like, what the fuck? I I go to school for this kind of crap. I don't go to video games for this kind of crap. And, um... I know uh, years later, you know, there are game developers, a lot of which I saw yesterday at the uh, Korg's Gaming Convention here in Hilliard, Ohio, uh, who make custom games. And there have been people who have made whole, you know, side-scrolling Mario adventures with Luigi. Some of them are supposed to be ungodly impossible. But, oh, I would imagine. And people love <clears throat> making their devastatingly hard Mario games. Yeah, but it's crazy how, um, how big of a... Uh, a genre that is these custom games like yesterday I played uh, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles inside of Streets of Rage 2 <laughs> um, they had a version of Sonic the Hedgehog which I, I can't remember the way he described it but once you die you're in hell and you're constantly outrunning the demonic version of yourself Jesus Christ and like you know the opening like old school Sonic the Hedgehog title screen on Sega it's like yeah, him with like, his finger up yeah this like had his eyes darkened with little red <laughs> dots and pools of blood beneath him it's oh, crazy they that just, is wonderful they just do whatever they want but anyway getting back to Luigi the one spinoff that I rather enjoyed 
was Luigi's Mansion. Yeah, it because <clears throat> it was a, it was a genre switch, you know. Right. They did something different with it. Well, it had like a Ghostbuster kind of vibe yeah. to it. You know, it was the closest thing to like a full-on Ghostbusters game we'd had at mm-hmm. that time. That played the way you'd want one to. It was just a fun game, good yeah. mystery solving, puzzle solving kind of game. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of slow paced, I think. But, right, uh, a lot of exploration heavy sort of plotting. Sure, I enjoyed it though. And then when they put it out for Wii U, that was even cooler because if you had like four people around, how was it? One person controlled Luigi on the big screen, and the other people were the ghosts on the small screen. <laughs> so only Luigi on the big screen could see himself, but you know on your little screens, the ghosts could see everyone. Right, and it, you know you had to try to get up on him without him turning around and oh, putting a flashlight awesome. on you. It was so much fun. It was a great spinoff. And now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, every Mario spinoff has been great. Mario yeah. Kart, Mario, Mario Kart. Party, Mario uh, Tennis. I used to love Mario Tennis. Holy cow! Yeah, Smash Brothers, Smash the Brothers. ultimate fucking spinoff, right? That first one on 64, I can't even tell you how much I played that game. I think I probably played it until the cartridge melted. Captain Falcon became an extension <laughs> yeah. of me. Like, he was a body part. I am Captain Falcon. I am Captain Falcon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's funny, because when I when the second one came out for GameCube, I was just all as much about that one. But um, I figured I would still be a Captain Falcon guy, and I wasn't. I turned into a Samus uh, person oh, in that game. Because there's, like, nothing she can't handle. She's it's just, just a great about character. every range. That and um, the uh, Zelda character, or the, the Link character, I don't remember. Link the... was always my go-to. Yeah. And then when they brought Zelda in, she was cool, because she could swap between Zelda and Sheik. And she'd Sheik. be, like, that, the fast you. ninja, or, like, the ranged spellcaster. Uh-huh. And that was always cool. There was another... Uh, Another Roy and Marth and Roy. Yes, Marth. Yeah, yeah. Marth. They were from uh, Fire Emblem. I never really played any Fire. Emblem I didn't games. either. But Marth was a he was a, my go to. Cool. He was yeah. a powerhouse. For I sure. liked uh, Ganondorf. He was my favorite because he had Captain Falcon's move set, but he was just slow. He and was hit too five slow for me hard. though. Yeah. Once I got used to it, I couldn't go back to anyone else. If you were playing with somebody who was good at the game and you yeah. weren't fast enough, dude. But I don't know if you know the character well enough. I yeah. guess it doesn't matter. I'm I'm pretty stoked for the new one. I think everyone is. I tell you what, I'd be pretty stoked for the Marvel uh, spinoff we've all been waiting on, Black Widow. Dude, no, I was just kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see that at all. But why do people give that so much thought and so much? Uh... I think because they could make it like a good espionage sort of thing. It'd have a cool. Cold, like neo Cold War kind of feel. If I mean, we did at, this, it right. at this point, you would have to like go all the way back and tell her pre story, right? Oh, that's true. I yeah. mean, I, I don't think you could start her individual stories now and be be a little weird. Yeah, does she have any villains that are uniquely hers? I don't know. She might. I'm sure she probably does. And, uh, you know, she's got an interesting enough story, but it did, being this late in the game, I just feel like it's like. Yeah, lost, maybe they kind of missed the, missed the shot. Missed the chance, yeah. But she was my. I liked her character much. I watched Iron Man two again recently, and I rather enjoyed her character yeah, in that. I don't, uh, man. I don't think she was ever better than when she was in Iron Man two. No, she was oh, that scene at the end where her and John Favreau go in that hallway, and yeah. like he spends his Dude. time beating the hell out of one guy, and she's just <laughs> she's cleared the building. Yeah. That was so That's cool. the best. Yeah, and I think, look, this is. I'm sure a lot of people will cry foul at this, but. I think Black Widow works best as a supporting character, and the more you put the spotlight on her, mm-hmm. the more it kind of fades away. Because 
she doesn't have, you know, her own set of superpowers. It's just an incredible level of skill and dedication sure. to the cause. And you see that front and center in Iron Man 2. Right. And she gets these little moments where she can be really badass and you go like, yes, hell yes. Black Widow, cool as shit. But the more you try and fit her into the team of super beings, the more out of place she looks. Not only that, but it's like her attitude changed. She seemed to be very business oriented in those first movies, yeah. and now we just get in a lot of like this. I don't know. I feel like they're trying to inflict some kind of like noir. Uh, help me say what I'm trying to say because I don't know how to say what I'm trying. I, to I say. think like they've kind of softened her up too much. She's become Maybe. like this quippy sort of like oh she's got something snide to say yeah like her training that she had so long ago I mean kind of suppressed like any like love or you know I mean she's like she's an assassin she's yeah. all business right I mean whether or not she's doing it for good or bad I would imagine she that, that mindset would kind of st- I don't know sure I, do I, I think know? they did we were talking about this before we started recording they did to her what I'm glad they didn't do to Doctor Strange and that's round off the edges. Doctor Strange is a dick. Yeah. In Infinity War, he's still a dick. Mm -hmm. And it's because he has to be. You know, his job kind of necessitates being an asshole. And I'm glad they didn't soften the punch on that one. Right. Whereas Black Widow, I I think maybe with fan reception, people have been so frothing at the mouth for her, they've had to make her more accessible, maybe. This is true. I don't know. I guess so. She's got to be the... I mean, I know they have Scarlet Witch, but aside from Black Widow, she's the female yeah. heroine, you know, in this in the... I prefer Scarlet Witch, personally. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> My problem with Scarlet Witch is, like, whenever I see her doing her finger thing... Oh, uh, that is a little overdone. It, it's just it? really pulls me out of it, because all I can think of is, like, them going, and action! Fingers, fingers, <laughs> yeah, fingers, fingers, fingers. And you cut. can almost feel the green screen. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I Or like when she's... Well, I think it was in this movie, where in Infinity War, where she puts her hand in front of his stone and she's doing her fingers. Yeah, thing. yeah. Like, like, ooh. Uh, they, they're injecting too much of that stuff yeah. for my like. I mean... I don't know. If they keep her character around with Vision and they introduce the X-Men... Yeah. One thing they would have to that. do is House of M, where she changed all reality. I don't. Mm. She like had some mental breakdown, and she was like creating a perfect life around her, yeah, where yeah, her yeah. and Vision were married with children. But the effects of it had on everyone else. I, I, it's been a long time, and I never made it completely through the story. But I mean, that seems like a logical way to go with Marvel Studios if they can pull that off. It's the right move. Well, I know that, uh, you know, obviously Disney has just acquired or is in the process of purchasing 20th Century Fox. Yeah. Which would then be them getting the X-Men back. Right. Can you imagine a reboot of the X-Men in Marvel? I sure can. It would be cool. Yeah. Speaking of which... Don't get me wrong. I I like those old X-Men movies. Oh, yeah. I want to see a spinoff of a spinoff. Give me Cable. Ooh. Because I was so down with that character. Let's let's see good. Cable and Deadpool. That's I mean they're planning on that, right? They're slated for if they would just uh, what you mean plan on a Cable movie? A Cable and Deadpool movie? Oh, are they? I think so. I mean, I imagine he's going to be a permanent character now. I sh- but sure, hope so. I would think they would maybe do an X Force movie. Mm, that would yeah. be tight to do. Mm-hmm. But they've killed off everyone except Domino, who. I'm consistently uh, a, surprised at uh, how much I love Domino. What a perfect character She's she was. She was best. so good. 
I, I remember as soon as she was introduced, just her little back and forth of, with Deadpool as to whether Luck was a superpower. I was like, fuck, she's so charming. I'm stuck. It's, yeah. it's like immediately I was like, yeah, she's good. She's good. Yeah. So more Domino, more Cable. I wouldn't mind seeing a Domino movie. Dude, absolutely. I don't think we will. But, no, um, it'd, be, it'd be hard to stretch her power set to... Yeah, it would, that whole gimmick would... Uh, I, yeah, there's only so many ways I think you could use the good yeah. luck thing. That'd take some handy writing, mm-hmm. clever writing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't even know much about her. I mean, is that all she really is in the comics? I don't know. I, see, I, I never got big into X-Force because the art style was so fucking repugnant to me, at least for the most part, that I just didn't care, but... I think that's that's kind of the... I, I looked it up at one point, and they explained this whole luck concept as she's a mutant and a, a reasonably powerful one, but she doesn't have the same level of direct control over her powers that a lot of mutant have, mutants have. She's, like, semi-telekinetic, and she can affect, like, causality, probability, and she subconsciously affects her environment, like, remotely... In such a way that it benefits what she's doing, and so I, it appears like good luck. It appears like good actually luck, just being. Yeah, but what it is is that when she sets her mind to do something, because the, the description said it was like participatory. If she's moving through, say, a crowded street, then her powers are manifesting in knocking shit over or blocking incoming vehicles in whatever way allows her to complete that goal. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, everything you're saying is right here on this Wikipedia. Subconscious telekinetic. Uh, Power or manipulation, excuse me, enhanced reflexes and agility, master marksmanship, and expert martial artist. So, yeah, I mean, it's got to be the telekinesis that's yeah. like you're saying. Interesting take on it. I like that better than it just actually being right. uh, a streak yeah. of good luck that, you know, is just as simple as that's her power. She's got good luck. Well, Where's it come from? It's just good luck. She's lucky. Just, just the best luck. Yep. Got a leprechaun in her pocket. <laughs> But anyway, go yes. back to her home and her walls are covered in dead leprechauns and she's burnt out. <laughs> Stealing the life force of everyone. <laughs> um, okay, here's another one. Where are we? We're about 33. Last, I guess it can be a last one. Unless you've got another one. No, no. It's, it's... Um, I always loved the show Cheers growing up. And oh, and Frasier. then you get Frasier. What a great spinoff that I think I rather enjoyed if as much, if not more, than Cheers. I, I watched a hell of a lot more Frasier than I did Cheers. I've always been a sucker. I mean, ever since I was a little kid, I had a recording device of some kind in my hand. Oh, I yeah. love the art of recording. And, you know, uh, doing this show and him having his show on, on Frasier, I always, uh, when I put this desk together, I always thought very much of that show and yeah. his whole recording setup. But um, too much of it on end. Like, I've got a DVD, DVD box set of it and was watching it before and... They're pretty, like, the, the chemistry to the episodes were pretty similar. Yeah. So if you watch too many of them back-to-back, you, you, get a little, you could... You little burn out. You could call them a mile away, yeah. you know? But uh, st- such a good show. And, uh, yeah, those are characters I actually miss. I would love to see a reunion or oh, something sure. with them. That and would be cool. Hell, while we're on the subject, can we talk about, you know, for all their flaws, the early X-Men movies, how perfect Kelsey Grammer is as Beast... Yeah, flawless. Now there is a spin-off movie. Holy dude. shit. There's a spin-off movie. Oh, I'd watch a beast movie cuz he's got it all, right? He's conflicted. He's got motivations. Oh my and... god, dude. Kelsey Grammer in a beast movie. Do you think he's too old for that? Man? I don't know. I I feel like he'd be game though. Oh, he would he's a d- undoubtedly yeah. be game. 
He would do it. He's. I love. I don't him. think he's, he's done awesome. much recently that would tie up his. I don't know. I feel like he. There was something he has been doing a little more low key, like where he was playing. What am I thinking of? Did he play like a president or something in the Expendables movie? Like he. You know, I. I haven't seen an Expendables movie since the first one. Oh, come on. I'm sorry. Dude, I'm they're sorry. so much fun. They're fun as shit. I liked it. I, I enjoyed it. I just, I don't know. I, the other they're ones so, kind of slipped by me. They're so corny in a refreshing way. I'm down with that. It's like, you're, like you're watching the young new recruit named Billy get killed. <laughs> like, Billy, no! Like, <laughs> as corny you're as... You're too the, beautiful for this world, Billy. <laughs> as corny as it all sounds, it's awesome in the yeah. same way. It's like... It fulfills something that hasn't been fulfilled since the 90s, 80s right. and 90s, you know? we do, I do kind of miss those days of just the super macho hero, you know? You know, I just talked recently uh, on the show, I don't know, last 10 episodes about having watched uh, an old Van Damme movie that I have <laughs> great memories of called Sudden Death. But, um... How'd those memories hold up oh for Oh my you? god, when I watched it again just recently, I rented it from the library, it was a mess of a movie, but... And it was fun in that same right, but I, I like the way they've modernized it. Stolen's kind yeah. of modernized it with uh, keep still keeping that. You certainly have feel. to. I guess you could almost think of the Expendables as a spinoff, not in a direct way, but a spinoff of that feel, that genre. It's it's kind of like what uh, I don't know. I feel it's like what Scary Movie tries to do with like Scream, <laughs> yeah, without the humor, without right. trying to be a smartass or be funny about it. It's a celebration of the genre. There you there you go. They're being respectful of what they're... Yeah, weirdly enough, they do go about it. In the, well, because these are the guys who, who cut their teeth on this genre. Yeah. So, yeah, they're going to be respectful. They're going to revere this type of thing. And, you know, pull all these powerhouses together and just a one big catamari of yeah. manliness, you know? It's <laughs> yeah. so much fucking testosterone in them. <laughs> you just feel like you ought to be, like, lifting <sighs> weights as you're watching it. You walk out, suddenly you're covered in oil. Your biceps are bulging. <laughs> Well, you should cover up those oily, bulging biceps with a Candare t-shirt from oh, Society6.com. They're so absorbent and comfortable. Pod. Yeah. For sedentary or active lifestyles alike. Or you can get one of those Candare towels from Society6.com oh forward slash Candare Cover pod. all your bases. Yeah. And you could you could wipe the sweat from your biceps with a Candare towel. Wonderful. Then go out and put a Candare decal on your car because we got them too. Yeah. And then everyone will go like, wow. That guy has one thing that he likes a lot. Mm-hmm. And then you can drink your protein shake out of a Candare <laughs> mug, you know? It's endless, basically. <laughs> then you can go wash the douchiness off yourself yeah. in the shower behind a Candare shower curtain. <laughs> no aspect of your life is untouched by the possibility of Candare merch. <laughs> I didn't mean to imply anyone who lifts weights is a douche. No. That's not is. at all what I'm saying, but... There are certain types out there who oh, are no douches who like to lift. You know what I'm saying? I do. I do. <laughs> anyway. Society6 forward slash CandarePod. Society6.com forward Dot slash com. CandarePod. Oh, Get that moich. And also go to WizardWorld.com. Yeah. We have what now? The Wizard World uh, Columbus show. Only a few days out from people hearing this, or if not happening, if you plan on going, Candare, or excuse me, yeah, type Candare, no space at in the promo box at checkout. Get your cool 10% off your tickets. It's going to be awesome. It already is awesome, Jake. And also, uh, at the Wizard World Columbus show, we have our own panel we're doing, a a live show, our second one now. 
Uh, it's only going to be a 45-minute set, though. It's happening in room B241, whatever that means. We'll find out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your guess is as good as we'll, ours. We'll find out where that is and what that means. But uh, we're, you know, again, going to be doing about 45 minutes, probably just a retro roundtable, uh, as 45 minutes isn't a lot of time to get no. into pop culture and comics. But it's a perfect amount of time for a retro. Yeah, but I think we can fit both within the retro somehow with all Hell the yeah. comic movies that are out there. And we're also going to be raffling off some uh, Deadpool-inspired prize packs. Some of them more Deadpool merch-heavy than others. Yeah. But you're all going to get some comics in there. It's going to be great. And uh, some minifigures. And there's all kinds of T-shirts, uh, great big Marvel. What is it? Marvel Select Deadpool. He's <laughs> really awesome looking. Yeah. I, I hate to give him away. but kind of want to hold on to that one. I would love to. But uh, it'll, be, it'll be much cooler to see that glisten in someone's eye as they win it. So, again, show up to... This is Sunday, uh, the last day of the con, which is what? The... That'll be the 10th, June 10th. Indeed. In room B, 241, to not only watch your boys live, but for your chance to win a Deadpool prize pack. It's going to be great. Wizard World Columbus. Come check us out. All right, and with that, let's swing open the door to the comic vault. Jake, what do we got this week? I want to talk about Bloodborne. All the time, just in general. But this week in particular, I want to talk about the Bloodborne comic. Sure. Uh, this came out semi-recently. It was, it was a fairly recent development. So when they announced this Bloodborne comic, my first thought was, how? How are they going to pull this off? Because I know I've talked about Bloodborne Dark Souls before on the show, but, you know, and I imagine a lot of the audience knows this already, but one of the hallmarks of the series is a vagueness in its storytelling. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of implication and subtle clues as opposed to things outright saying what they are. And I think outside of some specific cases and certainly a lot of indie efforts, that's sort of contrary to the comic book experience. You know, when you're reading a comic book, you don't mind if the main character stops to, you know, wax expository on how a particular technology works or how they gain their powers. You like that shit. At least I do. Right. right I love right. explanation. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I mean, I, in my... Right, I think that's what makes Marvel so much better than DC. I mean, I think DC explains, you know, like a lot of where their powers and how they work kind of stuff. For the comes most part, from. it just comes down to magic. But the way Marvel does it makes it seem they ground like it very legit. well. Like yeah. the things that don't exist seem like they exist. And I think sure. Batman has kind of a book like that where they not only show you the grappling gun, but they tear the grappling gun open and show you, you know, all the all the nice. wheels and gears inside that thing and how it works and. It just, it just adds a depth to it. Yeah, absolutely. And and so you can't really do that with the Bloodborne setting without diverging wildly mm -hmm. from one of the things that makes the series so great. And for the layman out there, Bloodborne is a game that's like ostensibly about hunting werewolves in a super grim gothic Victorian setting. Right. But as the game progresses, you realize the werewolves aren't the problem. They're a symptom of the bigger problem. And that's humanity meddling with these old gods and ancient cosmic forces. And this disease that turns people into ravening beasts is just one of the side effects. And in the Bloodborne comic, they really had to walk this tightrope. And I don't want to give too much of the story away, because I think the way they handle it is really adept. And I was stoked to see that, because it'd be so easy to fumble it. You've got characters who need personalities. And the thing about Bloodborne is your character doesn't have any personality aside from the one you give him, mm -hmm. him or her, because they don't really talk to people necessarily. They have no voice. The only sound that comes out of, you know, if they're being stabbed or bitten, yeah, they're going to scream. But otherwise, 
it's not like Skyrim or something where you're sort of fleshing out who this character is as a person. So how does it translate to comics? And the answer is carefully and right. slowly. And they do a good job measuring it out. About having a cast that gives you just enough information but withholds just enough that it's not breaking the feel. And the really visceral, hyper-gory action of the setting lends itself well to comics. Mm -hmm. Where you can have a dude with a giant saw blade cleaver dismember six or seven mutant, furry, fanged townsfolk, and you'd be like, yeah, no, this is good. This is a good comic. It, it, it all comes together nicely, so I think they did an incredible job. And one of the things that influenced me to talk about this is that there are rumblings of a Bloodborne 2 uh, to be revealed at E3. Uh, who knows... I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. No, even that's too strong. I'm cautious. But if it happens, I don't know, guys. I don't know if you'll see me for a little while. Every time you say Bloodborne, I, uh, my mind goes to Bloodbane, the old uh, vampire game. You remember oh, that? No, I don't remember that. She was a... Uh, it was like in the early oh, 2000s. Oh, yes! Yeah. Oh, shit. Sorry. Short, yeah, yeah, yeah. red-haired girl. Yeah, and yeah. she had like the forearm blades that came yes. down. And, yeah, that was cool. Those were satisfying games. They Some sure of the were. combos and the slash, uh, slashy and uh, slasher dash... Hack and slash. Hack and slash. Yeah, That's yeah. what I was sort looking for. <laughs> <laughs> we got there, didn't we? Yeah. All right, Bloodborne. Yeah, I would say absolutely check out the comic. Like I said, there's not much I can say because they have to kind of make every word count. But mm -hmm. if you're a fan of the game or just like the idea of cutting down werewolves in a disease-ridden Victorian-esque city, it's a fucking sweet comic. And the art style is just about flawless. Sure, sure. Very good. Yeah. Well, I did not have uh, time to read a comic this week as I had two episodes this yeah, past yeah. week to edit and getting ready for this uh, panel next weekend. Sure. So uh, whenever I don't have a book, I like to uh, honor my 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 word that we gave to Tina Fine, who's one of our Patreon founders, Patreon backers, but we call them our founders. Indeed we do. If you don't know that already. And uh, talk about uh, her comic a little bit, which I've talked about three or four times already on the show. But, but it bears talking about. Yeah, I mean, I, I see the downloads and I see when new listeners come into play, you know, when we, when we get new listeners. So I know there's a lot of people who still haven't heard about you Off Girl. Spread, but spread the word. I'm talking about Off Girl today, <laughs> the comic Off Girl, which now that I'm thinking about it, we talked about Hit Girl earlier. Now we're talking about Off Girl. Mm -hmm. And then when Sam joins us, we're going to be talking about Geek, Geek Girl. Girl. And the I, Trinity is complete. <laughs> the Trinity is complete. <laughs> Yeah. And boy, would I love to see all three of these on the same Dude. team. Oh, my <laughs> that God. Be wild? What a... Oh. You could call it something like Danger Girls. Sexy Force. <laughs> Sexy... <laughs> Sex Man. Sex What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> no. They're just... They're... Anyway, before I dig myself into a hole talking about that. <laughs> uh, what Off Girl is, though, again, is a, uh, a, a comic about a girl who has taken these pills to kind of repress the ability to... Uh, orgasm because every time she does orgasm some kind of entity flies out of her and whoever like whatever men are in her immediate vicinity this uh, this entity will go through and immediately kill them and uh, at least they die doing what they love I guess so for the most part but it, well, in, except in the, for the bystanders right <laughs> in the first issue it happened on a uh, it happens on a subway where she doesn't have pills she can't get to her pills quick enough and she she just is just kind of spontaneously always, yeah. like at the touch or the hair trigger of sex could have an orgasm and when she does this entity comes out and they come to find out that everyone that she has touched in her immediate vicinity will go through because there was one gentleman left 
unkilled, and it was because he hadn't made any physical contact. And you're on a crowded subway train. There's not much you can do to avoid touching people. <laughs> exactly. Um, so what they kind of land as it, looking back like through uh, old books and stuff, is that this demon that possesses her is a demon called Lilith, which, uh, if I remember when we talked There's about a biblical this before, element there, there yeah. is a biblical element too. But... Um, you know, so now I, I, we have the first three issues. I don't know if now there probably might be more out, if not coming soon. Uh, but there's an, a, a killer in the book that they've announced called a stiletto killer who's killing young, attractive women. Hell of a name, and, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and he keeps them running in their underwear on treadmills and keeps them around for his needs. And when he's done with them, he kills them and puts a pair of stiletto heels on their grave. But um, obviously, this is going. This is building up to where you know she's going to learn how to harness this power and you know go after this fella. At least I would imagine so. Sure. Um, but the one thing that every time I open this comic that I can never get over is it's a sexy comic. And oh, sure. When I say that, I don't mean. I mean it implies there's no nudity. There's no like right full frontal nudity or anything. But there's a lot of skin. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, the tone the comic is drawn in and the way it's drawn, it's just a very sexy book. And I love it. It's such a good book. I think anyone uh, that picks it up would enjoy it. It, it manages not to be crass or trashy. That's yeah. exactly what I was trying to get across. This isn't like, you know, you're watching sex in a yeah, comic it's, book. It's not that at all. It, there's, there's, I think there's tremendous merit in being able to handle a subject like this in a natural, it's just like, yeah, this is this is the subject matter. It's but not, the sex appeal doesn't only come from the subject matter; it comes from the art. Too. Yeah, it comes from the story. You but know, it's it, coming it comes from together all the elements in the correct way. Yeah, the pieces fit perfectly. Yes, and um, again, not just saying this because she's a Patreon backer. It was us gushing about this comic before we ever knew <laughs> yeah, who Tina Fine was that got her uh, to be a Patreon backer with us. So. Um, first and foremost, I want to thank her again for being a backer Indeed. and uh, supporting our show here. And um, I hope she's happy with the uh, amount of support we're giving back with Off Girl because I can't stress enough how what a good book it is. Absolutely, so, it is. Uh, head to offgirlcomic.com. Uh, find her on Twitter at offgirlhero. And uh, Mark Rayhill, who I believe is the uh, artist. That's, I am correct. Tina is the writer. Mark is the artist. You can find him on Twitter at Mark Rayhill. That's R E I H I L L. Check it out. And now, joining us, returning to the show, actually, to talk about uh, the first issue of the second miniseries of his comic series, Geek Girl. We welcome back Sam Johnson. Thanks for being with us again, Sam. Thank you for, for having me back. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. We love this comic. That we do. Uh, I, it, you know, a very attractive girl comes across the super, these glasses that grant superhero powers and uh, thus Geek Girl being born. It's got all things that are good. Yes, and <laughs> I'm very intrigued by what this uh, second miniseries is uh, offering to that series. So before I go into uh, any more, Sam, could you just remind our listeners and some of our new listeners what Geek Girl is? So what Geek Girl was, was Ruby Kay, a hot popular college chick who on a drunken whim landed a pair of super tech glasses that gave her super powers, but due to a glitch in them, uh, kind of messed with her head and made her super klutzy, which caused her to alienate her cool kid click. Uh, the, the friend that didn't get alienated was Summer, 
Summer's dad's a comic geek. Uh, she's into the whole thing. She kind of put the idea of being a super into into Ruby's Ed. Summer's studying fashion. She designed her a costume. So someone kind of pushed Ruby into it a little bit. Ruby wouldn't have gone all superhero on our ass without Summer. And Ruby fell into a situation where the other big, well, the big superheroes of where they live in Maine got taken off the map by this big shot new mysterious villain lightning storm ruby had to step up and take her on uh they had a kind of really severe fight to the finish which ended with both of them uh on the floor and has left not where knowing whether they were alive or dead that was the end of volume one yes and we we get to see a, a quick sneak peek at volume two and i'm I, what i uh, again, I don't want to give anything away, so I'm going to walk do, that thin line. I'm going to walk a thin line here. I like what uh, is happening with the series, where it seems like the main focus isn't on a particular person, but seems like it's focusing more on the mantle itself. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things I, I liked, I, I like about the book, and, and that was commented on in some of the reviews of the first series, is it, is it was sort of like it wasn't. It was almost as if Ruby was entering a pre-existing world. We had like Neon Girl, who was the, the, was the big shot resident superhero, and had was on billboards and had sponsorship deals, and Pitbull, the jock superhero. Um, so there was already kind of this this superhero lore in place and where they lived, and then all all of that got wiped off the map by Lightning Storm. Um, but yeah, what's going on in the first series, which we can give away because the the free digital. Uh, comic uh, which came out for free comic book day and you can still get um, if you join the mailing list at geekgirlcomics.com is whatever happened to Geek Girl, whatever happened to Ruby K, which reveals that. And um, the miniseries, the new miniseries follows on from that. And what happens is, as I say, at the end of the first mini, Lightning Storm and Geek Girl were, were not left standing. Uh, Geek Girl had been electrocuted by Lightning Storm's powers, um, partly because for, for the, the eagle-eyed reader will have noticed that to the, towards the climax of the battle, uh, Ruby's glasses came off, so she lost her super strength. So where we're coming in with the new miniseries is that Ruby's in a coma, and Summer, who was on the scene and was involved in the battle against Lightning Storm, has picked up the glasses, feeling a little bit responsible for what's happened to Ruby, uh, because as I say, she kind of pushed her into it to a degree. Um, so Summer is kind of housekeeping as Geek Girl while Ruby is otherwise engaged in a hospital bed. Now, I've got what might seem kind of like a ridiculous question, but I, I find superheroes, as the stories advance, they tend to gather more of their kind around them. Do you expect Geek Girl to be the central focus, you know, the mantle or the person, whatever the case may be, or do you see yourself kind of expanding this set of powers, maybe more such items like these glasses? You could almost bring a team together. Yeah, that's um, it's interesting you hit on that because that is not. <laughs> I'm kind of getting way ahead if I if I answer that properly, but there is <laughs> more going to be going on in that area. Um, <clears throat> what happens? What's coming up in in the second mini series later later on is there's this guy Johnny Carlisle, who's got this sort of slightly dodgy operation where he's selling all like super tech and 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 
even powers so the the ranks of the superheroes are going to be expanding as a result of that um and what we also have in the first issue is uh because of the damage that uh, lightning storm's done there's uh, like a, a dearth in the uh the the crime the law enforcement scene in Maine. So this has kind of left uh, left an opening for would be super villains super villains to step in. Uh, but in terms of an actual team, um, yeah, there's this kind of I've kind of got something in mind with that. But that's 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 some way down the line. But we are certainly going to see when we came in the first series. Uh, you know, there was a fairly small superhero community, but as I say, now that uh, the superheroes have been taken off the map to some degree and the police is down, then this is, you know, it's kind of Maine is becoming a bit of a magnet for crime. I'm glad to hear that because I don't know if it's just me personally. I feel like I speak for a lot of people when I say I'm a sucker for team ups. Sure. You know, when oh, situations yeah. escalate. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we have in in the first issue with with Summer filling in as as Geek Girl and and being quite quite the rookie, uh, Pitbull takes her under his wing, and uh, is is kind of mentoring her. So we've got a, quite a fun team up with them because he's like, what what we see going quite early into the first issue is there's this guy, the Cad, who Pitbull's chasing, and his his ability is is useless against Pitbull because uh, his ability is to fuck with girls' brains brains and uh, or heads rather and uh, pitbull could easily take him down but because he's trying to show uh, summer as geek girl the ropes he's kind of in his words dogging it letting the guy kind of get away from him so that because him and summer are, are hooked up they've got headsets which they can communicate with each other on and he's kind of letting summer have her chance uh, but summer ain't 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 too great at it at this stage i mean the opening thing first page is we see summer's flying down trying to stop this uh, this mugger and she's trying to aim it so she just knocks him into the wall without doing too much damage to him uh, but gets the angle wrong and smashes him through this hardware window causing all kinds of damage and the owner's much more concerned about that than the fact that she's stopped the mugger I love that stuff it brings humanity though to the There's character absolutely related. I think uh, Summer I think Summer is, is really I, I'm, I, I'm always keen to emphasise this isn't going to be a legacy but we're not going to see this isn't going to be summer forever as geek girl summer is you know she's doing this with the intention of looking after things in the hope that ruby's going to be okay and we'll, we'll pick things up but summer is certainly not intending to do this long term but i think she's very lovable in the role um and uh, very uh quite sweet in that she's got the best intentions but possibly doesn't have the skills for the job Sure. I think there's something very endearing about a, a powerful person or someone given extraordinary power mm -hmm. who just hasn't quite got it down yet. You can almost live vicariously through them. You think right. to yourself, well, that's about as well as I'd do my first go around. It's it's almost got like a like a greatest American hero vibe. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. been said, yeah. 
Yeah, and again, it, it comes back to and someone else I was discussing it with um, who was saying it's kind of surprising that, you know, Summer is this big superhero fan and then she's not any good at it. But again, that that's kind of comes back to the, the, the origins of, you know, the, the glasses, neither Ruby nor Summer when they're wearing them are, are exactly aware of quite what they're doing in the way that they're affecting them and affecting their brains. And, and like going back to what we were talking talking about um it's it's always been a, a kind of flip on the nerdy guy becomes cool superhero because summer and, and ruby were like the cool kids and uh, then they've kind of become uncool as a result of uh, these glasses and the effects of them now looking at this first issue uh of the second series i mean and maybe this is already something you're wanting to do and maybe you've already said so publicly but it looks like the first steps of universe building to me, is that something you see for Geek Girl and the unit that universe expanding into other series or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I've, I don't know if I've mentioned on the show before my character Carbaccini Voodoo Junkie Hitwoman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, you yes. Okay, so this this character so far just appeared in in Halloween issues of uh, an anthology called FX, and uh, there's a mini series which is is not far from complete and has been not far from complete for a while. But what I've decided to do is uh, shelve it. Uh, because I've decided to introduce her into the Geek Girl universe first, oh, and there then the, you go. yeah, because I've I've got a, a really uh, big big idea for her in that, uh, which actually ties into that. Not that she's going to become like part of a, a superhero team, far from it, but it does actually tie into the, the the team thing you were alluding to. So the intention there is is for Cabra to come in in the third series, and then to have Cabra's mini come out at the sort of same time as that, uh, so people will be aware of her. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I mean, one of the things I enjoy about superhero comics is is having that shared universe. <laughs> Thing, like like uh, Mr. Mashup, uh, who appeared in the first Geek Girl miniseries. Carver has faced off against him. There's like a, a free uh, digital comic called Dark New Year, uh, Carbertini Dark New Year, which you can still get a drive-through comics. And uh, yeah, so she takes on Mr. Mashup in that, which pre-Geek Girl, uh, having the pleasure in, in the first mini. So yeah, I, I enjoy that kind of crossover thing going on. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, I think that's a that's a good place for the character. You you don't see someone with that skill set, that origin, you know, that type of vibe about mm -hmm. them. They don't just join the Avengers. You know, it's it's something they've got to be in the periphery. And I think the more you enforce that kind of distance between them and other characters, the cooler they become. So I, I really like the idea that she's kind of skirting the edge of this setting showing up when the timing's right you know yeah absolutely i mean as i say i'm i'm into crossovers but i've, I've not wanted to do anything you know just for the sake of of crossover you don't and want to cheapen uh, it in that way no 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 not at all i mean what happens in geek girl and, and what unfolds in this miniseries is very organic it's you know the the center of geek girl has always been the relationship between ruby and summer uh, and that's where where things are, are really fundamental in in the second series and like though ruby is in a coma she is still in it in the first issue because what what's going on with her is the the other girls that had been alienated by her when she was all uncool and they didn't buy this whole powers thing well now that ruby has, has saved maine from lightning storm and is, is the quote unquote savior of maine they kind of trying to ingratiate themselves back in with her so they're like visiting in hospital so they're like talking to her in the hopes that she you know sometimes people 
people and are going to hear what's being said. So they're trying to basically suck up to her and turn things around and have, and have kind of ditched Summer now because they feel like Summer's just trying to sort of ride on Ruby's coattails with this geek girl thing, which, of course, is, is the opposite of what she's doing. But that's the way they think because they're shallow bitches. <laughs> <laughs> You know, one thing I have to say is, um, I, and I'm speaking for myself, and I, I think I've heard other people on the show say this too, is universe building is just an attractive, uh, uh, not gimmick, what would you call it? A, a uh, Just an attractive move yeah, when yeah, doing yeah. a series in itself. Um, Everyone you, wants to believe they're reading something meaningful that's going to stick around it's going to yeah evolve. absolutely right and you know i guess I, I i the point i'm trying to make i think in my case uh was it valiant comics yeah, yeah yeah you know none of their characters have really ever like screamed at me like been like attractive to me like made me want to go read them but once i found out that they're all in that tight-knit universe you know they all yeah. play into each other that's what drew me to it yeah, that's it, what made me pick up bloodshot and all these other books and I was right. like you know this stuff isn't too bad they're kind of greater yeah. than the sum of their parts exactly yeah I think back in the day when Valiant was around the first time I think when they did the Unity event that kind of took them to the next level and I think brought a lot of new people to them yeah I think it was what was it within the past like four or five years like Book of Dead or Bo- uh, Book of Death was Book the one Death. that really got me into I was that's what I pulled was me in a little bit yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one that one had it all for me. I was down. Yeah. But again, I mean that well, that spark of interest came right. from the simple fact that they all share that one universe. Yeah. So Yeah, it's it's cool. It's fun to play with. Exactly, exactly. And if I'm not mistaken, there's a there's a movie based on at least one of those characters. Oh, that it's I couldn't tell you. Ninjack, I think. I don't know. Slated for something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure yet. I think pretty much every superhero book is is slated at the yeah, moment. It's, it's <laughs> and they just been wait to see what. It's like the the Han Solo scenario where I'm for me. I I haven't seen it yet, and I'm absolutely looking forward to seeing it. But for me, the the biggest problem with it is just how quickly it's come out after the last one. I think if you had yeah. one coming out a year, I I doubt it would have had the problems it's had. Um, and I think that that could be the case. You like, for example, at the moment we've got you know we just had Avengers: Infinity War and Deadpool, and now we've got Ant Man and the Wasp. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and like that's okay, but I wouldn't want another one, you know, immediately after. I think you've got to watch it a bit. You don't want to seem over eager, right? No, no, because um, like I, I actually only went to see Deadpool two yesterday because um, I'd arranged it with a couple of friends. One of away, one was away, and then the other uh, was away. And one of them was saying about this and that, you know, like because she's not that bothered about seeing Han Solo, and she she was saying like that they're just churning them out. And it's not the case. And this, as I was saying to, her, it's not the case that they are just churning them out. I can see, you know, the, the thought and the love that's been put into the Han Solo, but when they just come out so quickly and so close together I mean you know this blockbuster season has been extremely competitive and we've got yeah. the next Jurassic World about to come out as well mm-hmm. so yeah. it, you know you, people can, can misunderstand misinterpret it that it is just oh let's just bang another sequel out and that kind of thing um, and I really you know as I say I haven't seen Han Solo yet so I can't you know be completely objective about it but my impression of it is certainly not that this has been churned out and that there are has been a lot of care and thought and attention put into it. 
Yeah, no doubt. I, I don't know. The, the difference for me, I guess, with uh, the Marvel movies is, you know, after we've seen Infinity War, these next movies to come are like the next progression in the bigger scheme, you know, setting up yeah. the next Avengers movie where the Han Solo you sort of movie know is just kind of like play a, out. just a spot out of time. You yeah. do know how it's, uh, yeah. it's going to play out. You know, it's not really playing into the big scheme. Not to mention that the fact that, you know, the past uh, few years, you know, Disney has really coined Star Wars a Christmas kind of thing. So then to <laughs> yeah. plop one down on summer does, doesn't yeah. yeah, It's like leaving your tree up past New Year's. You yeah. Know? It's just in I, bad taste. <laughs> yeah, I really, I do. I mean, it's, you know, it's impossible to say what difference it would have made had that come out at the end of this year. But my, my feeling is it would have made a lot of difference. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Before we get on a Star Wars tangent, which happens too much on this show, I, <laughs> well, it's standard, and it? it you know it's unavoidable. Oh, yeah, it really is, and it's always welcome too. But yeah, uh, yeah. we can't we can't forget about Geek Girl. I want to tell people to go to geekgirlcomics.com. Uh, Sam, is there anywhere else we should be directing people? Uh, well, if, if you want to get a digital copy, it's at Comixology. But geekgirlcomics.com is, is a good place to go right now because it's just come out. So there's all kinds of previews and uh, interviews and this will be going up there. And, yeah, anything new gets added there at the moment because this is a kind of a, a buzz time for it. So, uh, yeah, that's a good place to go. And you can still get Volume 1. I mean, that's, that's on Amazon and there's a link to it at geekgirlcomics.com dot com as well so that's that's so you know although if you want to get like additional like previews and stuff the geek girl comics facebook group is also a good one well it's a gorgeous comic we're having a lot of fun with it and i know our listeners would have a lot of fun as well we love what you're doing with it as well so keep up the good work sam and again uh thanks for being here with us today man thank you for having me all right, everyone, and once again, you can check out Geek Girl at geekgirlcomics.com, and uh, Sam is on Twitter at Duh Sam Johnson. That's D-A Sam Johnson. Very important distinction. Well, yeah, if I say... Not D-U-H Sam Johnson. If I say the, I mean, I, I, we gotta, we have to say it's at D-A, Indeed. right? Come on. But yeah, I, I, I hope you enjoyed our conversation with him, because I rather did. I, I really love the direction that this comic is going. It's going in a way that I did not expect. I just expected this to be solely about this uh, one girl and her just single issue adventures. I'm eager case. to see where it goes from here and I think it's a safe bet we'll have him back on when it gets there. Oh yeah, this is going to be one of those projects. We've talked a lot recently about, you know, we, we have uh, creators on the show that some of which we saw toward the beginning have yeah. just kind of disappeared. Uh, we haven't heard anything from in years and, and then, then there's we others. That... We, get to, we get the privy of sitting on the sidelines and watching from concept to first printing, to popularity. They grow you know. up so fast. Don't they, though? <laughs> so proud. <laughs> My special boys. <laughs> so another uh, big thank you to Sam Johnson for being on the show with us today, and uh, we hope you all enjoyed our episode. But until next time, uh, Jake, what do we have on the website? Uh, we've got all things that are good. We've got merchandise at society6.com mm. forward slash pot. We've got our full catalog. Mm. It's all there for you with the exception of the Founders Club podcast which you can still access if you hit that $5 a month mark or more on Patreon. And don't forget if you want to contact us, do that through the website as well. See our special guest page where we've got some of the most prestigious names and talents we brought onto the show. And uh, follow us on all of our social networking outlets at CandarePod on Twitter and at Cand underscore Air on Instagram. And if you are attending a Wizard World convention, promo code CandAir, just CandAir, right? Yeah. Promo code CandAir nets you a cool 10% off. Uh, what's the harm? Am I right? 
No harm at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I think saving money is quite the opposite Kill of harm. Kill the taxes on your ticket. Bam. There you go. There you go. And again, if you are attending this Columbus Con, come see your boys uh, Sunday at uh, from 1.30 to 12.15 in room mm. B241. We're going to be doing a panel and once again giving away, uh, raffling off some prizes. It's going to be awesome. I think we're going to take some bookmarks out there too. You know, maybe we can just hand out some of them. I can't imagine we're going to get enough people in that room to worry about having given away all the bookmarks. Know. You never know. I would love it to be an issue. That would be awesome. So come on out, see us. And uh, also another big thank you to uh, Randy Hardenbrook for uh, becoming a Patreon founder. Uh, we'd love to have you as part of the Candare Nation. Glad you're a founder and we can't wait to start uh, start this beautiful relationship with you. So <laughs> yeah. I think that's going to do it for this week. Until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Runyon. Thanks for listening, everyone. see this movie but wait timmy's blind but what am i supposed to do why not try a podcast spirit spirit all the comic and pop culture entertainment you could want in the canned air podcast finally a form of entertainment not fully reliant on visual stimulation now we know and knowing is half the battle gi I should really just start shutting that window, you know. How? I'm going to shut the window really okay. quick. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I'm hearing too much children. Too many children. For my liking. Uh, there are, sure. Sure, I show you. <laughs> They're cabbage patch kids. <laughs> they all look like Amy Schumer. Don't you know that you're a grown up? I'm a grown up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days being a grown up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.